Welcome to the Center for Indigenous Midwifery's podcast. Our mission is strengthening community by honoring, supporting, and reclaiming Indigenous midwifery care and culturally centered family support. For more information on our programming, visit indigenous-midwifery.org, find us on social media, or tune in for a live Zoomcast offered each month. Thank you so much for listening. He he maunga rongo ki te whenua, he whakaaro pai ki ngā tangata katoa, hanga i te atoa, he ngā kauhau, ki roto, ki tēna, ki tēna o mātou. Whakatongia to wairua tapu, hei āwhina, hei tōu tohu i a mātou, hei ako hoki i ngā mahi mō tēnei rā. Āmeni. So, as I said, kia ora, welcome everybody. So, who am I? So called Joey Mamataka Wingua. Um, so I this is my Marae. So in Aotearoa, we have a what we call a tupuna fare, so uh, a house built to honor our ancestor. And this is my cute little fare nui down in Otorohunga, and the name of my fare nui is Fatihua. And this is me on my awa, on my river, and so my river is, na, is the Waikato River. Couldn't find a photo of my maunga, but my mountains are Taupiri and Pirongia. So, um, I, um, I, actually I'm going to just stop the share for a minute and just talk to you. So yeah, as I said, my, um, my mountain is Pirongia and Taupiri, my river is Waikato, my marae is Kahotia, and my tribe is Ngāti Apakura, and my hapū is Ngāti Hinetu. So, who am I? I'm a, I'm a grandmother of 13 mokopuna. I'm a mother to seven babies that I've given birth to, and four babies that I stole. Nah, two stepsons, two whāngai. Um, they've all grown up now, and um, so we have a childless house, which is a bit sad after many, many years of lots of little people around my feet. I, um, I've been a midwife for 27 years, but I call myself a recovering midwife. I don't practice midwifery in a, in a legal sense anymore. I just look after whānau that may not um, be able to find a midwife or, you know, they're asserting their, what we call tenoranga tiratanga, so self-determining. So today I'm just going to share with you my journey of becoming a midwife and um, and how I got to where I am today. So I um, I trained in the early 90s. I was um, happy with my second baby at that time and at the end of my training gave birth to her, my first home birth. That transformed me um, beyond anything that I could have comprehended actually. And I suppose I woke up at that time to, um, to the power of birthing. And I had definitely not experienced that in my first birth, which was pretty traumatical. I, um, anyway, I was already and keen to go and work at the local hospital, but they wouldn't give me a job. You know, we now have words for that. It's called structural racism. In fact, oh no, they might give me a job at the moment. You know, things are sort of turning a little bit. But um, yeah, for, for you know, a hospital that's critically short of midwives and um, 
yeah, many times I applied for for a job there and I never got one. So I um, I managed to get a job as a childbirth educator working with teen parents in South Auckland, which is you know a, a really high deprivation area, and um, and then Nick minute I became a home birth midwife. How did that happen? Well, I had this awesome Canadian midwife that radicalised me, that knew that I was sitting at home doing nothing. Her name was Joan Donnelly. I still give her the greatest accolades and that I believe that she was, you know, the best midwife in the whole wide world. So right now in Aotearoa, we're celebrating 30 years of auto autonomous practice for midwifery, where we've been able to um, work independently. Prior to that, you know, we, we worked with GPs, and um, and I suppose, you know, putting it in the context, it's only been 160 years. And and in and, and saying that, Māori women really didn't sort of shift to the medical model of birthing until the 60s and 70s with what we called the urban shift when they moved from their tribal homes into the cities. A lot of whānau were still birthing at home. Um, you know, with their own whānau midwives right up until then. Hey, Jenny Johnson, and uh, so Jenny's just joining us. She's another awesome um, non-Indigenous midwife that helped radicalise me and taught me much. So, so yeah, I got taken under the wing by this beautiful Canadian midwife, and um, and I was the first Māori midwife to provide continuity of care in my community. I just want to put it in context, you know, I grew up in this really quirky little community and um, where there weren't many Māori, it was quite an affluent, we were like a social experiment. And um, so, you know, I'm colonised as hell, all right? So um, I suppose I didn't grow up with my language. The only time I went home to my marae was for tangis. Um, yeah, so, but you know, going out there as a Māori midwife and whānau, you know, there, there's some really staunch whānau out there that have, had never sort of succeeded their tino rangatiratanga and were still catching their own babies. So, you know, they they had defined what a Māori midwife was and they wanted me to have my language and know um, all our traditional birth knowledge and I didn't and I felt absolutely inadequate. So that sent me on a journey, both as, um, as a mum and as a midwife and so my children have all been educated in Te Reo Māori and I've grown seven fluent speakers. So um, in, that, in that journey, of course, you know, I met many, many whānau as a midwife as well. And everything I've learned about traditional birthing, I did not learn at midwifery school. I learned from the whānau I was privileged to work and walk alongside. Okay, so I'm just gonna um, go back to the PowerPoint. So today I work for the local tribe and I facilitate what we call, it's a wānanga. So wānanga is, you know, just a space where you come together and, and you learn together. And so within our wānanga, our kaupapa, so our intent is to whāngai te mauri o te tinana, whāngai te mauri o te wairua, whāngai te mano o te whānau and whāngai te hau o te heningaro. So nurturing the physical state, spiritual state, the family unit, and nurturing the knowledge, you know, that's there. So it's not about me teaching them everything. A lot of the times I'm learning, you know, it's it's reciprocal. I'm always learning. <clears throat> so this is me giving birth to my 
fourth child. And that's my son at the time was four years old. Sadly, he works as an occupational therapist in mental health because he hasn't heard the call of his ancestors. He really should be a midwife. In my tribe, midwifery was a male role. So his grandfather caught um, his grandmother, no, his great-grandfather caught his grandmother and her 19 siblings at home. Um, and yeah, one day Chaz will wake up to his calling. What we do in the Wananga, so up over here, that's muka. So we extract that from the flax plant, and that's what we use to tie our baby's petal, the cord. Over here, we have a titi, So that's one of our taonga puro, one of our Māori instruments. And we give those to the mums, and that is, you know, it uh, makes a beautiful sound. And I couldn't find mine this morning to demonstrate to you, but it enables mum to de-stress. Okay, I actually call it the first cell phone because when mum's playing the titi, baby will always kick and respond. Some of the other things that we, we teach in the wānanga is, you know, the right ways of doing things in terms of birthing. So within Te Ao Māori, we have um, what we call tapu and noa. So everything that comes from my physical being, from my body is tapu. So things um, that are noa are, are kai. So kai will make me noa. Okay, so when you guys all come down to Aotearoa, which, you know, I was supposed to be happening later this year, we were going to have an Indigenous gathering, but COVID's killed that. But I'm still, you know, I still live in the hope that one day that gathering will occur. And when you come down here and you come into, um, come onto the marae, we call you in with the karanga. So we, um, yeah, so it's, you know, no mai, haramai. And then you come into the Farinui, and we have a certain way of doing things, okay? So the women go on first and the men come behind us. And we, we are the first sound that they hear. You know, it's the woman calling to the woman. And then the men perform their speeches. And so it's, it's they're talking about whakapapa. So it's always looking at ways to link each other to each other. And then, of course, you know, the wahine, the woman, will always complement that. Um, that speech, that kōrero with a waiata. I've seen in my journey when men have said dumb things, women have composed a waiata on the spot to basically say that that man just said something really stupid, just ignore him. Okay, so, um, you know, within a postmodern feminist context, you know, some people think that you know, Māori women have a lesser role than Māori men because we don't have the speaking rights on the paipai. But, you know, they don't get to speak unless we call the people on, okay? And we always finish their kōrero, their speeches, with a waiata. So we've um, just renamed our program, Matua Rautia, so it's, you know, restoring traditional birth knowledge. But also, you know, we live in a modern world and they have to navigate through, you know, great big tertiary facilities, and so it's about preparing them for that. We're really, really blessed in Aotearoa not only to have an autonomous, um, you know, midwifery service, but we have a code of patient rights. Okay, so I call that their birth power. So basically, informed consent. We cannot do anything to anybody without them giving us their permission. Okay. So when, um, so some of the things, so tikanga, 
Okay, so if we break that kupu up, the first one, tika. Tika means the right, you know, doing things. It just means right. And ngā is the right ways of doing things. Okay, so I suppose, you know, one of the things um, in terms of birthing tikanga, you know, it's just about maintaining the mana and the tapu of that wahine and her modi and her wairua. So the mana is her personal power. The modi is something that, um, you know, lives within us all and our wairua is our spiritual self. But it's also, you know, I, I call it whakamana te whare tangata. So te whare tangata is the Māori word for uterus, which also means the house of, house of people. Okay. So it's about, you know, restoring that because many of our nannies in the 50s and the 60s, you know, I've um, heard these stories, gathered these stories of these beautiful births that they had, you know, with either their father or um, an elder, you know, catching their babies. And then the urban shift and the shift to medicalised birthing and their whānau not being allowed to go with them. But, you know, that whole on your back in lithotomy and just no respect. So we have, you know, initially when I started out, I thought it would be a lot of the old people, you know, and that we would wānanga with them. And then, you know, we brought them into wānanga and there was so much pain. There was so much hurt. And, um, you know, so there, there was a lot of healing that needed to be done. So our atua for birthing is hine te iwa iwa. She is also our goddess for weaving as well. It is no coincidence that she is, you know, the goddess of childbirth and also weaving. I believe that, um, you know, the, the whole art of weaving was, the, was childbirth preparation. You know, the fact that we squatted as we cleared the harakeke, it created a connection between us and Papatuanuku. So Papatuanuku is Mother Earth. That's what we call our mother. Okay. And so our, um, our whakapapa comes from her. So within, um, within our pūrāko, within our, you know, our stories, I don't, I don't refer to them as myths and legends. They are our truth. And, and the women were, were born from the red clay from Kurawaka of Papatuanuku and then Tane breathed life into her. And so um, this, I love this picture that was created by Regan Bowser of, of Hine Te Iwa Iwa. And as you can see, she stands astride the whare. She is, um, she has a tonga pūro called the putātara. So the putātara was like a trumpet that would be sounded when a baby was born. She's breastfeeding it in one hand and in the other hand, she's holding a piece of muka. So the muka is, you know, what I showed you before, that's what we use to um, tie our flax. So, you know, how does Hine Te Iwa Iwa help me in the modern day context of, you know, being a midwife? Well, whenever things were not going as they should be, I would step outside and I would, you know, ask for her guidance and her support and give praise to her. And usually just in taking that moment, I would go back and a mum would be fully or baby would be descending and about to be born. She, um, she has provided what we, you know, we call a kōrawai, a cloak of um, love and support for me over these years. And especially when I decided that I was no longer going to play by the rules anymore and, um, and assert my tino rangatiratanga as a, 
as an Indigenous practitioner and take care of my own whānau. So Tāne Mahuta is our male god that we that I call upon in the birthing time. So that's that's one of our Kodi trees. So the Kodi tree is the biggest tree in the world. And that's Tāne Mahuta who lives up in the Waipoa forest up north. And I'll be going to visit um, Tāne Mahuta next week when I go to the Tangi. Sadly, our Kodi trees are dying and um, they have a disease at the moment. So they're really at risk. And I don't know what that's gonna do for our ecology and it, you know, just for our hininaro. Because um, of course, you know, initially when, when settlers came, the Kodi tree, you know, a lot of our trees were absolutely majestic. And of course, you know, that's what we first traded with was the flax fiber for ropes and our trees were perfect masts for big sailing ships. But as you can see, these were the types of trees that my tūpuna would carve their waka. So within the um, wānanga, we use the model te whare tapawha. So that's, you know, looking at the four house, the four sides of ourselves. So the tinana, the hinenaro, the wairua and whānau. And so, you know, that, and there are many, many more. This is just a, you know, nice and simple. The people that come, you know, the whānau that come to the wānanga are a real mix. So there's the new generation that have been raised with their language very, very strong. And then there are those still of our whānau that it may be the first time that they've ever come to a marae and they're Māori. And, you know, there's an awakening that happens, I think, within us as, as wahine, as women, when we are, you know, when we're growing pepe, that all of a sudden, you know, we need to know who we are so that we can transfer that knowledge to them. I know that definitely happened to me with my oldest child. I wanted to, um, I wanted to know everything. So that's the um, the model that we use. But as I said, there are many, many more. In fact, to whare tapawha is getting a little bit simplistic. So for me, my philosophy within... Um, within my midwifery practice was what I call whānau ki te whānau, whenua ki te whenua. So putting whānau's hands back into the, into the birth space, getting them back, you know, restoring the knowledge. You know, probably, you know, a lot of the births in my last few years of practice, I never caught the babies. Whānau were catching their own babies. I was just there, um, you know, just should the shit hit the fan, really, eh? You know? They did everything themselves. And um, and so I love this imagery and I love this particular birth story. So um, in fact, this mama that's giving birth here to her, what we call Potiki, her last baby was, she's the mama why I became a midwife. And um, she was the first one of my friends to have a baby very young at 16. And wow, they did her over. Then when she was giving birth to her third, uh, to her second child, I attended that birth and she had a student Māori midwife. So that was how I began my journey. So this, this bubba is her fifth baby. All the other bubbas were sort of born pretty quickly within a few hours. This bubba decided to take three days to be born. And it was the best birthing party ever. There was a tangihanga on at the time. So the rangatira had, had passed away. So just down the road, they were having his funeral. So our, our tangis on average take three days, sometimes longer. 
okay and in fact i've just learned recently they used to take months okay depending on on that rangatira on that chief um but it was the last pandemic the spanish flu that we um, you know we amended our tangihanga practice to three days it's interesting that COVID, this tangihana that i'm going to um tomorrow he passed away two weeks ago but you know we're waiting for his son to come out of COVID, and and and, and it just is perfect because he is such a rangatira you know that we would give him that extra bit of time anyway um back to the birth of tuaraki yeah he was taking a long time to be born and um and then you know on the third day he emerged so and i love that imagery because you know it's his mum my hands and his dad's hands so again you know just um water birthing was a traditional practice so you know, that we have um, what we call pūrāko, so oral histories, and we have the story of Mahinarangi who travelled from down on the east coast and walked, you know, for days and days because um, she was, you know, travelling to my tribal area and on the way she stopped and she gave birth to Raukawa in the spring. So, um, yeah, water birthing was a traditional practice and many of the whānau that I cared for would give birth in water. A lot of my young mums, of course, you know, and even my own daughters choose to give birth in water because, you know, as in the, as Māori women, we're quite shy. We don't like to expose our genital area. And actually, you know, some of them are motivated not by the traditional practice, but just pure and simply, because I don't want anyone to see my nono, my bum, or my vagina. So the other part, like I said, that's whānau ki te whānau and whenua ki te whenua. So the Māori word for placenta is whenua. And so that was probably the first, you know, practice that, um, well, it was the one thing that, that was still sort of spoken about. A lot of our other practices had been not lost, okay? Some people say that they were lost, but they weren't, okay? They were just forgotten, waiting to be remembered. And so within the wānanga, when our hapu whānau come, they make a clay pot, okay? So one that's about honouring Papatuanuku. And so um, also because, you know, when you give birth in the hospital, they give you the uh, the placentas. They can't eat, oh no, they're getting better. They're getting better. They're using the word whenua more, but they'll give it to whānau in a plastic ice cream looking container in, inside a plastic bag. And so, you know, whānau that may not um, understand the tikanga around caring for the whenua, a lot of them will put their whenua in the freezer. So, of course, the whenua having come from my body is tapu. The kai in the freezer is not. So there, it, you know, it takes away the sacredness of that whenua for baby. So how we um, combated that is we get the whānau to make these clay pots, which they take with them to well if they're at home of course they're not going anywhere but if they're birthing in hospital they take it with them and the whenua goes um straight into the clay pot no plastic required same as using the muka for tying baby's cord you know got a bit of a mission let's get rid of the plastic cord clamps and this beautiful imagery over here was created by a wonderful maori woman artist by the name of robin kahukiwa and um i just love hina and and that sort of depicts for me, um, 
my journey, eh? Always battling for that bubba. Hang on, where's my patu? So, you know, the fight is real. We, you know, I've been fighting in this space for 28 years. And I imagine that there will still, you know, my, my daughters and my granddaughters will continue this fight way after I've gone. So some of the other um, traditional practices is ori ori. So every baby would be composed their own waiata, whether that be um, while mum was hapu or at the time of baby's birth. So I've heard um, stories about the ori ori being composed to actually tell the story of what was happening around baby at the time. Okay, so irao mua way back in the day, um, at every birth, you know, there were not just midwives, there were astrologers, um, there were the wise people. A special house was erected, erected for the mum, okay? It's called a, um, a whare kohanga. And after, because of the sacredness of birthing, after that, that house was burnt, okay? One use only. Just imagine that, if you had to build a house every time. So this waiata is, um, has been created in terms of helping prevent sudi. So of course we have a disproportionate number of babies that die, um, Maori babies that die from sudden unexplained infant death. So what we do with the wānanga is we teach the mums this, this waiata. So it goes, moe mai pepe, moe mai ra, moe mai koe i tō moenga, Anyway, that's enough because I can't really sing. All my kids can though. Um, but anyway, it's um, what the message in this audio is, um, you know, sleep my baby. So it's, it's a lullaby, okay? And so the messaging in there is sleep me so I can see the stars. So that's how we give the message, sleep me on my back, breastfeed me and, you know, sleep me in my own space okay so one of the um projects that we've been working on in Aotearoa for ooh, maybe the last 15 years uh, is a wahakura so we weave a basket so the baby can safely sleep in bed with mum okay to date i have no knowledge of any of our babies dying in a wahakura we have these other plastic bin sort of looking things called peepee -pee pods. Babies have still continued to die in peepee -pee pods, but I have, um, and in saying that, you know, baby could have passed, but we don't get our data for last year, you know, how it is. Last year's data comes through this year, but I'm just living in the, the wahakura keeps them safe and protects them. There's something, you know, in terms of the rungoa, like even when I go and pick them up from the weavers, just the smell, of having that flax in my car is beautiful. Okay, so, um, you know, we have all sorts of mums, young mums, first time mums, you know, mums that have, you know, having their fifth, sixth babies come to the wānanga. And um, this, so this is my baby girl, one of my twins. And this is, um, so of course she came to the wānanga and, and what I love about this photo is this kid was really, really shy and um, I never thought she would have been so, you know, just so um, at ease with breastfeeding. But um, I think the wānanga gave her that strength. And over here is, um, so this is one of my nieces and I had the privilege of catching her and all her sisters and she gave birth 
on her birthday this year on Waitangi Day. So that's my one of my new mokopunas. So I got two new mokopuna over COVID. And over here, this picture over here is so this is my first home birth child who's um and so that's her eldest and that's her second she's carrying there and of course she gave both birth to both her babies at home they grew up watching this one's mum give birth in my lounge and you know they've grown up with a real normal lens on birthing and um so that's you know they're they're i suppose it's not even a no, it's a no-brainer to them they give birth at home and part of that is, you know, because it's just more empowering. Um, you know, we do um, we do it our way. There's no time frames. There's, um, of course, you know, like we. So we currently we have a Fano Māori midwife who we love and adore. But there was a little bit of time there where there wasn't anybody around. So, um, you know, we were sort of exercising our tenoranga tiratanga. And this picture over here, I got to go to a Zoom booth during our last lockdown. And so I got to catch that young woman. And um, yeah, I got to go to that booth on Zoom. So, you know, technology. So during the Wananga, we, we teach our mama how to harvest the flax part. But the flax, our harakeke, you know, is, is I actually think it's a better framework, the pa harakeke, than the whare tapawha. And so we, we teach the mums the karakia and how to harvest the flax, okay? And so how the, how the flax, how the harakiki works is, you know, the outside layers are the grandparents, you know, and then we have, we have the parents next to the new shoot, which is, you know, our baby. So if you take the root, you'll basically kill the part. Okay, so we always harvest from the outside. And as I said, you know, it's just it's just the best antenatal exercise that you can do in, in preparing for giving birth to your baby is harvesting harakeke, being, you know, your feet firmly planted in the earth and um, and harvesting from mother from Pakatunaki. So this um beautiful young wahine. So you know, and of course, you know, we've had a real um, sort of resurgence over the last 40 years of our language. And so now, you know, we have a lot of, um, you know, like I said, my seven kids are all fluent in te reo. And um, in fact, our wananga will have to evolve within the next two years to be delivered within te reo. And I've just found a perfect um, young woman who's just had a baby and is you know a tribal member of the tribe I work for because I'm not a tribal member of that particular tribe um, and so you know my job is to grow that capacity within their iwi you know and to do myself out of a job so anyway I hit her up the other day I said bub come on you need to start coming to the wānanga because I need you to take over what I do and she will be able to deliver it fully into real I'm not that flash my deal's not that flash okay but yeah, you know, the um, the regulation of midwifery didn't sort of impact us on us straight away. Um, but so, some of the sort of historical things is in 1835, Fakaputanga, the Declaration of Independence was signed. Um, my ancestors, you know, like it's, a lot of people don't know about the Declaration of Independence, okay? Everybody knows about Te Tiriti of Waitangi, 
okay, or the Treaty of Waitangi, as some call it. And so basically what, um, you know, in 1840, whole, so, so I just want to also say, you know, the concept of Māori is, a, is, a, is one um, determined by the colonialists, okay? So I'm Ngāti Apakura, which is my tribal group, but, you know, for their convenience, they, um, you know, they were saying when they arrived, so, you know, what are you? Who are you? And so the response was, he Māori and so what Māori actually translates into is, I'm just an ordinary human being, okay? But that term has lasted, and so now we sort of all get lumped together. But, you know, we've been, um, we've been battling it out on this whenua for thousands of years, and, um, you know, we still battle today. In fact, um, you know, my, my tribe and all of my best friends' tribes, they used to war back in the day, and my dad jokes, and he goes, you know, if your grandmother was alive, you wouldn't have even allowed to be friends with them. Okay, like he would take people home from tribes that, you know, we still had unresolved issues with and she would sense that. She, my nan apparently didn't ask you your name. You know, she would say, no fair queer. Like, where are you from? What's your tribal affiliation? And if you were the right tribe, you got to stay and play with my dad. If you weren't, you got sent home. So of course that's one of the blessings of this, um, you know, post-colonial world is we're just a little bit more loving, but we do have, um, you know, we still have our conflicts and I would never, I would never speak on behalf of Ngāti Whātua, even though I work for them, okay, my, my mandate is only with Ngāti Apakura. So in, in the 1860s, um, there was the Māori land wars, a lot of, you know, we don't even talk, we don't teach New Zealand history here and um, a lot of people think that the Māori land wars were still Māori fighting Māori, but actually what it was was my tribal group in the sort of centre of the North Island, we weren't selling our lands. And the tribe that I'm from, we were gardeners, we grew peach trees and we had flour mills and we were trading to, with New South Wales, you know, we'd bring our stuff up on our wakas to a trading place not far from where I live in Onihunga, and then it would go on the big boats and go over to New South Wales. So because, um, you know, we, we didn't want to sell our land, the, um, the soldiers came. So the first colonial soldiers came and my particular tribe, Ngāti Apakura, we sought refuge in the church and um, the church was set fire to. So it was some Irish um, soldiers that broke the boards at the back of the church and allowed some of my ancestors and some of the young children to escape. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. We are one of the tribal groups that are landless. Our, our claim has still yet to be heard and um, we literally have no whenua. Okay, so we, so that little marae that I showed you, because of our whakapapa lines being those of chiefly ones, other tribes gifted us land. So we're refugees on our own whenua. Um, and then in 1908, so the next sort of act that really impacted on our ability, you know, to to heal, to birth, was the Tohunga Suppression Act. What's really interesting about the Tohunga Suppression Act is that it was put into law by one of our first Māori doctors, okay? And part of that was, you know, that there were, um, I suppose there was bad practices going on and people were dying. And so, you know, he really believed in the medical model. And so the Tohunga Suppression Act 
which basically meant that our, our medicine men and women, our midwives were no longer able to practice legally. It has been repealed. But in saying that, um, you know, I'm really envious of you guys up in Canada that traditional midwifery is not outlawed as it is in New Zealand. So, um, you know, part of me is, you know, in, in my exerting my tenoranga tiratanga, now that the kids have all grown up, I suppose, you know, I could go to jail. And I could go to jail many times to, you know, if that meant that the law could be changed. And, you know, recently I heard a story, last year I heard a story about one of your tupuna who continued to fish salmon and went to jail many times. But in, you know, going to jail many times now that you are, you are now able to fish for salmon. So, I don't know. My partner doesn't really want to come and visit me in jail, he reckons, but... And I'm, I'm sure my kids would support it. I'm not sure if they would put me in jail, but I'm sure they would um, make a big deal out of it. And I love this Fakatoki. So this is my fifth daughter with her daughter. And this is the wahakura that I spoke of. So this is the, the safe sleep device that our weavers make for our babies that are, you know, protecting them against sudi. So, and I love this whakatauki. Mati ite tamaiti he auru kofao. Mati ite wahine he take re haya. The death of a child may be overcome, but the death of a woman is a calamity. And isn't that true? You know, we, um, you know, we fear death so much in the birth space. And that's why, you know, our practice I suppose all around the world has become so interventional and so medicalized is because of that fear of birth. And, um, you know, it's, it's a part of the space, you know, some babies die. And yeah, I, 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 I get that, that proverb in that it's when a mum dies, that really, you know, um, disturbs our communities more than anything. So, you know, during, um, during pregnancy, while wahini's hapu, um, kumama is, to, is craving kai. So in a traditional context, whatever mama craved, it was the honor of her tribal brothers and sisters to gather that kai for her. You know, not today's reality of rolling eyes, but also, you know, today's reality of craving Coca-Cola, KFC, and all those other things. You know, in Irao more back in the day, you know, they were craving, you know, we, we pretty much were... Um, lived a, um, a very, you know, like we lived sustainably with our land and the sea and the land provided everything for us. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have um, big mammals. You know, you guys got your moose and you got all, you know, we, we didn't really actually have that. So um, birds and fish were what sustained us and shellfish. Um, as I said before, you know, wahine didn't give birth in order, you know, special, special whares were built. Um, the whare kohanga and mum would squat. You know, we had hand posts, um, erected frames that mum would hang from. <laughs> Later on, you know, um, the, some of the stories of the nan, you know, some of the nans, yes, we had a birthing box and, oh, and what sort of box was that nan? Oh, it was a beer crate. You know, but it was something to, to lean on to, okay? Um, yeah, and everything, you know, like I said, everything was burnt, okay? 
So, you know, the length, the length of birth would guide the tohunga in terms of, you know, what um, what was going on and the, the different the different prayers that would be said to hine te iwa iwa. Also, the size of baby's petal, baby's cord, also gave them um, gave them clues. You know, one of the one of the nans that is still alive for the tribe, you know, that I um, that I work for. When I first became a midwife, I did you know a lot of the babies that I caught was for them because that you know that's the local tribe where I live, and um, and nan taught me to milk the cord. You know, that was the first thing that she taught me was to, um, you know, not not to cut the cord while it's still, you know, kaora, while it was still alive, but to also milk it and to ensure that the baby got all of that toto, all of that blood. And is it interesting, you know, we just, now everybody's talking about delayed cord clamping or optimal cord clamping, but, you know, that was a traditional practice, one of the first ones I learned. And um, I think that might have been why I didn't actually have to resus many babies. So, and here is a, um, so Philly's on our Zoom with her, and this is her beautiful little Louie that's on the Zoom too. And so here's using the, the harakeke, the muka to tie baby's cord. Okay. So as I said, you know, the mums, the dads, everybody um, loves making the muka. And in fact, you know, initially when we started restoring these practices, you know, people were like, not embracing of this and I mean you know non-indigenous and not all you know but um you know they thought it was um you know it would cause infections um you know basically it, it would be detrimental to the baby but and uh you know in all the years that I used mocha I never saw another infected cord okay it um I'll show you the next picture so that's what it looks like. Pretty much the next day it's dried off, but it comes off within, you know, three to five days. So whānau always um, enjoy a baby that's petalless, that's cordless. I think there's something about, personally, I just think, you know, when the baby's cord's on, it's still saying, I'm brand new in the world, and people get a bit, especially <gasps> first-time parents, eh? You know, trying to get dad to change that kupe, that nappy when the cord's still on. So, but when it's off, always oh, away. And of course, the other thing is that we keep the petal, you know, just like we keep the whenua, we keep this as well. So when, um, you know, they use those plastic things and then they take them off, it's easy for that to get lost. But with the muka on there, you know, we just, they don't get lost. Okay, so I showed you that. I don't know why, but I did that twice. Oh, 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 I went too fast. And, you know, just like that other photo I showed you of Mo, you know, I just love it that our young ones are really embracing their haputanga and their culture. And, you know, their priggy photos are all about culture. Isn't that beautiful? Um, I found this at the top of the stairs at the local hospital recently, and um, somebody had left all these rocks around the place. And so I took a photo of it. And I think, you know, today we're all here for a reason. It's about you know, sharing what we know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some training next week, and it's called Calm Birthing, and I'm reading through the modules and everything, and it's absolutely, it's absolutely cultureless, and um, which really, really saddens me, but also, you know, they've claimed the intellectual property rights of 
Dick Reed, Michelle O'Donnell, Sarah, but you know, all of these wise people in the birthing space that I've learned much from over my years. And, and like this, there's, there's actually not much, in fact, there's nothing new in there. But I've got to sign this thing saying that um, they own the intellectual property rights of that. So I don't know. I was talking to my Tani last night about is that what we should be doing with Māori birthing? Because we have, you know, we have a around about an 87% normal delivery rate, which is, you know, a lot higher than non-Māori. And it's not because of modern obstetrics or anything. I think part of it is because Māori women, you know, we just know that, you know, birthing is a rite of passage. It's, um, yeah, it hurts, but you also get lots of aroha. You get massaged, um, rongoa, you know, like the, I suppose in traditional times, they understood the importance of keeping mum well, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and psychologically. So this is a, um, this is a karakia that can be recited when Baba is born. So, so there are, so we have karakia, we have prayers, you know, when we're, when, for pregnancy, for the beginning of labor, for during labor. Then there's a karanga, a call as baby emerges from mum's body. So, you know, that's my job um, as I'm catching my mukapuna, is, well, unless my daughter gets in there first, because she's got the most amazing superpowers when it comes to karanga. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's just, no my hana mai ki taku mukapuna i te ao marama te ao huri huri e piki kaki te ta maiti ki te ki te ki o te rangi ki te te toi o ngā rangi e mau tōringa ki ngā rākau mātarau ko te mātātū Imagine that, eh? Imagine being welcome into the world to that song. You know, and that becomes part of that child's, their, their story, you know, their life story. And this is how my journey, you know, began. And I know, um, you know, having the privilege, of, I work, you know, I work with some of the babies that I caught and they know they're special. And I think that's um, one of the things as Indigenous people that, you know, whatever we can find to restore our mana and, you know, because hey, most of us um, carry the baggage of colonialism, of confusion, of maybe mixed ancestry. Um, you know, like my mum's not not Māori. You know, her whānau, we're really racist as. So, you know, we've got to check myself. But, um, you know, I'm committed every day to decolonising more and more and more. In fact, um, this month down here is Mahuru Māori. So, you know, we have Māori Language Week. So, and then, you know, this clever fella from where I'm from, Parari Gloin, said, why just a week? Let's have Speak Māori for the month. Okay, so, um, you know, we're, we're meant to commit to speak as much of our language over this month as possible. It's just a bit hard for me because I haven't got anybody to court it all in the house with me, so. But I can get on the Zoom. Oh, hang on, go back. So like I said, eh, ori ori, um, you know, creating those songs for your baby, you know, creating, because um, what ori ori did was a, it was a way that we transferred whakapapa. So we were oral people, we didn't have a written language, but we had managed to maintain 
tribal histories that were thousands of years old. Okay, and that was um, by going into wānanga and ori um, ori. You know, that's how babies were taught. Um, how they were taught whakapapa and who they were. Okay. Okay. So this is um, Tumutumu Whenua. So this is the beautiful tupuna whare that I get to work out of. And so this is my last um, wānanga. And these are some of the whānau that came. And so we're just sitting out on what we call the maho, the front of the marae. And, um, and they're making their muka and they're making their uku whenua. It is such a privilege to be able to teach, you know, traditional birthing knowledge within the whare nui. There's a, um, so, you know, when I teach it, like in maybe in a community hall or something like that, like I, it, it's still fun. But when I teach it inside the whare nui, I, you know, there are things that come out of my mouth that I didn't know. And I'm totally open to the tupuna using me for getting whatever message across. And so yeah, I'm very, very blessed to work for Ngāti Whātua and to have this beautiful resource. So um, so at that particular um, group of whānau, you know, there was only one um, Ngāti Whātua uri, but um, it's going to grow, you know, it's going to grow. So, and that little plastic tree, we call him Tani Mahuta, and part of it is they put their birth dreams onto the, onto the rako, okay? And so, um, so, you know, I absolutely believe and know that Tani Mahuta and Hine Aite Iwa Iwa will hold those, those birth dreams for them, and they will manifest into, um, into reality for them. And so these are just some of our mama and papa that came to our wānanga, and so I don't know if you can see this kid on the side over here, but um, that's her new business. So she's going to be coming and taking our photos. And the, here's our mama and papa making their uku whenua for their babies' placentas to go into. Oops. Oh, that's right. I've got a mouse. Ah, oh, go back. So the whare tangata, the house of people, um, you know, like when, so, you know, things like messages like, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, da, da, da. Nobody wants to hear all the negative stuff. We actually know it. Um, so it's about, you know, reframing it and like talking about the whare tangata, you know, in the context of the whare tupuna. So, you know, what we do in the whare tupuna is what we should do for our tinana, for our body. Yeah, so it's about maintaining tikanga, maintaining our tapua noa, reciting karakia. You know, being able to, um, you know, to karanga to our tupunas for guidance and support, okay? And so, you know, we would never um, drink alcohol, take drugs, um, beat each other up in our tupuna whare. So, you know, it's about, and, and that's why, I, you know, one of the reasons also why I love using the, the whare nui, okay, to teach the classes because it just creates a different, it's a place of peace, you know, so a lot of the, and I remember, you know, teaching classes just down the road at an organisation I helped create, and, you know, one couple had a massive domestic in there, because family violence, you know, it's the impact of colonisation, and a lot of our young men, you know, are angry and um, displaced, and so, you know, family, they've grown up with family violence, and they just repeat those cycles, so, um, 
But yeah, any dad, papa, they try and, you know, bash a mama and my wananga, they're going to get a bash from me. And that's just some of the stuff that we use for making the muka. Ready to meet on muka. So just dampen the muka and then look for about halfway. Right. This is the lead part. This is one of my lovely friends, Hi Rose. As you can go towards the end. So we're rolling and twisting it down. And then you're going to move your left hand to get it to turn over itself and come back up. Try it again. So I just wanted to, um, yeah, just, so I wanted to show you the mocha because in the, so like I said, you know, initially people were not um, open and receptive to using mocha on the baby's petal, baby's cord. Now I'm getting calls every day. In fact, non-Indigenous people are selling it on the internet, you know, ranges from $15 to $55. Some people are looking putting little pieces of ponamu on there. There's no need for little pieces of ponamu on our mukha. Um, the mukha, you know, is a natural astringent, a natural antibiotic. And um, so, you know, I've, I've just made a whole lot. In fact, I should have had it right here. I've just made a whole lot because this, um, you know, these people that are selling it up north, I get on their page and I intercept and I send messages to all these people that want the mukha that I'll send it to them. And part of that is, you know, this beautiful tuhunga that, I had the privilege of um, following for many years, Papa Joe, he said, you know, the whoever gives the mukha to the baby, ideally you want the parents making it because as they roll it, it's their microbes going into that, into that mukha. But, you know, sometimes they, they don't have access to the flax or, and so anyway, whoever gives the mukha for the baby, you know, receives a blessing because that is the first thing that will touch the baby. Hey, kia ora, Carol. Oh, I just saw Carol's on here. Mwah, much love. Love you. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I steal their business, yeah, and I don't care. And um, in fact, I'm just about to create a page, you know, free mukha, you know, because it's, um, it's something that if, um, that every baby should have. And, and I mean that even, you know, non-Indigenous babies, because it's just superior. And I think, you know, one of the things I've learned on my journey is that um, Indigenous knowledge in the birthing space is definitely superior to the, to, you know, the mainstream, how they roll today. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mukha Rebellion, that's me. But I just, um, I just want to go, I don't know, I've lost some of my... I don't know what I've done, but I'm just sharing again. I just want to show you some of the people that um, have really impacted and influenced me on my journey. And this is the wrong PowerPoint, Joe. Okay. It must be this one. Yes, it is. Okay. Sorry about that. I wonder what happened. No, that's not it either. Ah, here we go. It was already up there. So this is my beautiful Joan Donnelly. So um, Joan, amazing Canadian woman that migrated to New Zealand. 
um, trained as a midwife at 60 and practiced as a home birth midwife for 20 years. So she was the midwife that took me under her wing. Um, also, there's another amazing midwife on the Zoom, Jenny Johnson, shout out to you. Another amazing um, non-Indigenous midwife that you know supported me and taught me much. So um, you can't really see the blurry one in the middle, but Joan, that is Joan um, being a medic at, the, um, at a protest. And so it was, um, so the Springboks tour, there were massive protests because, um, you know, this, against apartheid. And so that's Joan being a medic on the front line because, you know, there were a lot of people assaulted in that. Because here she is with one of her bubbas and she was given an honorary doctorate. So it's, um, it's interesting, eh? you know, within the Indigenous context, we always remember those that have given to us and our tupuna and the legacies they have left. So we're celebrating 30 years of um, autonomous practice. So 1990, the law was changed so that midwives could practice independently. And, um, you know, our, just recently our CEO, you know, acknowledged all of those that that had made this happen. Well, Joan was instrumental, as were you, Jenny Johnson, and all of the home birth mamas. And I, you know, it just astounded me that, um, you know, in, in her in her quarter or in her speech, she said, oh, there are too many. Well, there weren't that many. There were a very small, very focused group of home birth midwives and home birth mama that fought for the change in legislation. Sadly, what happened though, um, you know, in 2003, we got we got our own midwifery council. And now 17 years later, they're just at the moment working on what they call Aotearoa midwifery project. So looking at how indigenous midwives can actually be recognized. There is, um, yeah, in the seven, you know, in the time that they've been around, they've had, um, you know, they have annual forums, but they've never had a hui. It's like we didn't exist. So that's my nanny Mangu, who, um, you know, when I went to her and I started asking her about um, about traditional birthing practices, she goes, oh, bub, don't you worry about that stuff. You just do everything the Pākehā way, otherwise you're going to get in trouble. Okay, because that was her reality. You know, she had her real beaten out of her, um, but she maintained the tikanga at our marae and she was incredible. And it was... Um, Actually, only when I took this mokapuna's whenua home that she started sharing with me about how tapu birth was to the point that you, the, 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 the tea cup that you gave the, the mum, you know, after she gave birth, that was thrown away. Everything around the birth was considered very tapu, so it was disposed of. And this gorgeous spunky fella over here, his name is Papa Joe. Hohepidalami, world famous Māori healer. So Papa Joe grew up, um, so he's a tuturu Māori midwife, okay? And he was raised and um, learning about the traditional um, methods of massage, okay, to ensure that the baby was sitting. One for conception, so that was, you know, he travelled all around the world and, yeah, so that was, you know, he did a lot of healing and a lot of people that couldn't have babies either went on to have babies or they um, they got given babies. So I have a, a beautiful ponamu that he infused with his love that has helped, um, you know, seven babies be conceived. So he left a little bit of his magic power behind. 
So they are now tupuna, and um, but they, I feel their presence with me all the time. Especially this fellow, like that last wananga, before we went into the last lockdown, I could just feel him laughing his head off. And part of it is some of the healers that he trained were part of the wananga. So they were giving both mums and dads healing. So it's around structural realignment. So um, Romi Romi is a very deep, um, painful massage that releases trauma. Okay, so it's always good to, you know, let go of that trauma and then our bubbers aren't going to inherit that trauma. But of course, we don't do the Romi Romi on mums. We do call Midi Midi, which is a more gentle type of massage and it's about positioning, getting babies in good positions. But yeah, when he worked on me the first time, oh, you know, I grew up in an alcoholic household, just, you know, trauma, trauma, trauma. And then this fella, he fixed, you know, my broken wairua, my broken heart, and he still, you know, I can just call on him and he will, he will fix me in a flash. Okay. And so, you know, I showed you those images before how our, um, our young wahine today are getting their you know, their hapitanga photos done with their kōrawais. And I just love this, and I use um, this often when working with parents, you know, that are like, oh, my baby just wants to be carried all the time. Our tupuna knew, that's what we did, you know, you carried them, you loved them, you know, we now have all this research around brain development. The more you love them, the more their brain starts, stays connected, the more empathetic that we are. And um, so, yeah, I just, you know, our tupuna knew, they knew, you know, what was powerful and what wasn't. So, you know, for me and my journey, the more I reclaimed and the more I restored in terms of traditional birthing practices, the more I, you know, was in the firing line. And um, so I remember one particular time I transferred a woman into the hospital and I had a British midwife um, you know, basically go off at me. This one was a VBAC. She chased a home, home birth. I never held a gun to anybody's head, okay? I never, ever made anybody birth where they didn't want to birth. They chose where they wanted to birth. Anyway, this, um, you know, I'd been with this woman for a couple of days. We transferred in. And, um, and yeah, this, this I, I just remember this midwife sort of like making me feel like an idiot. I was crying, um, and I had to go to my daughter's wedding, you know, and, and that was like, that was it. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. And so I left midwifery, went back to nursing, um, you know, went, went back to aged care, to palliative care, because, you know, midwifery and dying are very, very similar. Um, the other superpower that I went and got was I went and did some training in alcohol and drugs because methamphetamine was really starting to affect the, the community I was working in and I was starting to lose trust in the women. And um, so I went and got some superpowers there and um, yeah, and then, you know, came back into the space sort of quite healed and happy and started yeah, reteaching the wānanga and um, which is what I do now. I did I did um, just sort of prior to coming up to the ICM conference, I did return to practice and was ready to go back to midwifery. And then the Māori midwifery team that I was going to join was made redundant. And so I, um, 
yeah and also what i realized that it's still the time was not right for me you know the racism was still overt there was still not a lot of support and acknowledgement for traditional practices so um yeah there was a little period of time there where i had to catch you know my own mokapuna and then anyway now some you know lovely new um midwives have been born and so they're our whanau midwife and so they pretty much you know they take care of the girls um i catch the babies um you know in the last lockdown for my niece i did the postnatal care because just you know what is the point of compromising our midwives that are busy out there having to go into lots of bubbles you know i'm more than capable of taking care of my own whanau and um and so I did. But anyway, um, during that time, so the lovely photo that you saw advertising this, that was done up in um, at ICM. And Dave Bernal, the, the photographer that took that photo, asked if he could use it for a collage, you know, just um, a collage of all the midwives he'd taken photos of when we were up in Toronto. And I said, yeah, of course. Anyway, then I got a message from ICM asking if they could use it as part of um, you know, 2020 celebrating midwives, International Year of Midwives and Nurses. And I, I agreed to it, but I also said that they needed to, to tell my story that I gave them, that I left midwifery because of racism. They changed my narrative and they did not include that. And I was really hurt and I was really angry. And I was like, you know, I don't know if you know what a hucker is, but that's our war dance. And I was ready to hucker all the way up to Geneva. And anyway, and then my kids said, you know, mum, it doesn't matter, you know, because people know. And, um, you know, so actually what, it, what they did by doing that was they actually showed their lack of cultural um, sensitivity and competency. Eh? But what was interesting was just after that, they um icm have now got an anti-racism statement so maybe it was you know the email that i sent back i don't know but here in aotearoa still you know working hard to get the new zealand college of midwives to develop a anti-racism statement as as well as um midwifery council so you know we've still still got a long way to go um but in saying that we you know work is underway down here for the establishment of an indigenous midwifery school, a Māori midwifery school. So, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure where that's at at the moment. I've just been busy with other stuff. But, um, you know, part of me, I always said, oh, well, if we get that school, I'll go back and I'll train all over again. Because I did nursing and then I did midwifery. I didn't do the direct entry midwifery that a lot of you did. But in saying that, you know, I've... Um, I honor my nursing journey as well. And I honor it in that I love working in palliative care. You know, I love, I love sitting with people that are taking their last, last breath. I love working in addictions. You know, that's like helping people give birth to their soul. So, you know, I think indigenous midwifery is, is more than just catching babies. You know, it's about being the healers in our communities. It's, you know, I am, you know, um, a grandmother. So it's, um, it's, it's, I suppose the, the colonial view is the midwife just, you know, looks after the mum and the baby, eh? And with an Indigenous um, lens on it, it's, it's a whole lot bigger than that. It's carrying those, um, 
those pūrāko, those those stories, so that we can, you know, never forget who we are. Okay, so anyway, I think you're supposed to, um, I'm supposed to like have stopped just 10 minutes ago. That's our, our Zoom tikanga down here as we stop for, um, we stop for a Zoom break, but I don't want to stop. I just want to um, keep on going and um, caught it all with you all. One of the things that I didn't do and I should have done, and um, and part of it is because you're all muted. So in a Māori context, what how we start is we start, you know, with a karanga, and then we have our um, our mihi mihi, so our speeches and our waiata. And then always, like, so in our wānanga, like when we come onto the marae, then the next step is whakawhanaungatanga, okay? So that's where you introduce yourself. And so, you know, my name doesn't matter, but my mountain does, and my tribe does, and my river does, and my marae does. Because what whakawhanaungatanga is, I'm looking for lost family members, especially with being Ngāti Apakura, you know, that we... We lost all our, and we're all over the place. So I'm always searching out those tribal members that are lost, so I can, you know, bring them home with me. And um, yeah, so that's um, I know, you know, when I came up, and um, and the lovely Carol, you know, took me up to the reservation, and you know, Carol, many many times I um, I draw strength from from the time that I was with you. And I draw strength from our retreat that we had. And I don't know if I ever told you, but you know, we visioned that day and we smoked um, Gudzi's beautiful birthing pipe. And we visioned for safe spaces for indigenous women to birth all around the world. So I had been visioning for a, for a, um, for a birthing, you know, primary birthing unit in Mangere for many, many years. And um, anyway, came home to the announcement that this, you know, quirky, awesome, rich um, Pākehā lady was building a birthing facility at our shopping centre. And she's called it Ngaho. And it is staffed by, you know, Indigenous midwives from, you know, from the Cook Islands, from Niue, Tuvalu and Māori. And it is the most beautiful facility ever. But the sad thing is, is the DHB has given them no funding, you know, so she continues to pay the wages and pay the bills for this beautiful space. And what I love about Ngaho is um, the papa get to come and the papa get to stay with mum. And, you know, Carol, it just, um, it's a little bit bigger and flasher than your beautiful, you know, little centre that we open, but it has that same moody. It has that same feeling of what I got when I was at Carol's. And um, so I suppose, you know, my um, tenoranga tiratanga is self, you know, it's about self-determination. And, you know, for all minority indigenous people around the world, you know, we have, you know, we live through another person, another human being's lens, you know, their history, their, their way of being. Um, some of us a lot, you know, we're colonised a lot. Some of us not so much. You know, I have, um, I, I've, I've been blessed to work with whānau that, you know, really just live and breathe te ao Māori. They speak our language, they live on our land, they eat our kai. 
and um, and they are still birthing the way, same way that their tupuna have been for thousands and thousands of years. And I know in my whanau, um, I think the combination of mothering, of being part of the kohanga reo movement, of restoring language, um, but also, you know, having the privilege of being a midwife and, and being um, oh, nurtured by so many different nannies, by so many different tribes who are so, so generous in the sharing of their knowledge with me, that that has really, um, you know, broken a lot of those, um, a lot of those negative narratives that live within my whanau. Okay, we're breaking those, um, those, those, those chains of oppression. Okay, you know we we know that our birth belongs to us, as does our death, and um, and everything in between it. So um, yeah, that's Tenoranga Tiritanga in a nutshell, I suppose. In terms of birthing, you know, it's um, yeah, just you know making sure that my non-Indigenous colleagues also, you know, have access to this information and that they can learn. Recently, we just had a, um, so we had a Māori midwifery symposium and I went there and I thought, I thought that it was um, going to be all Māori midwives, but um, they let some non-Māori in. And, and actually, after all the presentations, I was okay with that. But, you know, like part of me was just wanting a, a day to hang out just, you know, with my Māori midwifery sisters so that we could share honestly about our hurt and our pain and, you know, and, and just keep healing. But I suppose, you know, the, the, the power in them being present was that they got to see, you know, how bad things are. You know, that racism isn't just directed at the Māori midwife, it's directed at the Māori mama. Of course, the whole COVID thing, eh? Just the puppas are allowed in the birth space now. So, you know, where where does that place our our nannies? And of course, you know, during the, the level four lockdown down here, heaps of whānau, um, heaps of whānau decided to birth at home. And I, I do a little bit of work for Auckland City Hospital, very big tertiary hospital, and they had me on Zooms encouraging people to birth at home. And um, I'm sure Joan was smiling down from heaven over that one because that was pretty transformational that, you know, one Joanne Rama would be working for ADHB and, um, you know, promoting home births. But also, you know, lots of phone calls from midwives that had never done home births that were a little bit anxious and just being able to, um, you know, ju just help them trust themselves. You're off, Carol. Mwah. One day, my friend, you will come here and you will, I will take you around this beautiful land of mine as you have taken me around yours. Much love. Mwah. Carol just sent me a message in the chat. So, um, yeah, there's hope for us all, eh? And I think one thing, you know, like I was just saying, the coming up and meeting the Canadian midwives, um, discovering that there was more of my deadly sisters, my Aboriginal Australian midwives, has really, um, you know, emboldened me beyond. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty bolshy. You know, I grew up with five brothers. Okay, street fighter, glue sniffer. You know, I was a badass. And um, but you know, part of being a professional and being a midwife, you know, you got to be nice. 
and um, and so that's the beauty of me not having a practicing certificate. I have no one constrains me. Okay, I work for the local tribe. They empower me every day to be more and more radical. Okay, so that's um, and, and I realize that not everybody has that privilege. So you know, for the for my beautiful midwifery sisters that are here, I can be the voice for them. I can I can shout it from the mountaintops. They can't because you know it's, it goes against the code of ethics because you cannot bring midwifery into disrespute. And yeah, I just want to say, like, we are privileged that, you know, our maternity service is free, um, that we can care for women from conception to four weeks after they've had their baby, but it can be better. You know, the women that can't access the midwife are usually Māori women, okay? We still have these community teams that provide pre and post care, okay? And then they just get whoever in labour. And that um, whoever in labor, you know, may know nothing about traditional practice. In fact, the, I, just, I just read um, yesterday in preparing for this. So I've been moaning for years that midwives come here from all around the world. They have to do some, uh, you know, New Zealand context midwifery prescribing. You know, there's some papers they have to compulsorily do before they can practice midwifery. But cultural competency wasn't one of them. Now it is. Yes. So that will mean that, you know, some of our whānau will just be a little bit safer. And, um, you know, because part of it is that a lot of these midwives, you know, find it quite intimidating because we, we have a lot of whānau come to our births. You know, I've had, oh, I think the biggest number of whānau that I had at a birth I attended was about 100. 50 of them were alive and 50 of them were in spirit world. Okay, and that was a really special birth. You know, he was the first baby for two generations to be born on that whenua. So, you know, it was um, absolutely meant to be that, you know, everybody um, came, both living and past. So, um, so I get it that some of our overseas midwives find that quite intimidating when there's a lot of people in the birth space if you're not used to it. But I think if you understand our history, then you sort of understand why we need that additional protection. Okay. And um, yeah, I think when I had Crystal Lee, like my, you know, my first two babies, I had non-Indigenous midwife who was beautiful, but you know, she was even freaked out by the sheer number of people that were there. And, um, but you know, she enjoyed it, but she just thought that people might get in the way. And, um, you know, generally, Whānau are there because they, they're there to offer up support. But in saying that, you know, I think about my second to last Mukupuna Stella. So, you know, my daughter's gone to 43 weeks. She's labouring at home. And um, I don't know what happened to my photo of chairs, but anyway. So, the, oh, the little four-year-old I showed you, right? Okay, so he was a wonderful midwife at four. And now, you know, so that, he would have been 26 then. And, um, you know, they're all sitting around the birth pool and he pulls out the phone and he goes, shall I live stream you, Serene? Well, that was it, wasn't it? Cervix stopped, we ended up transferring to hospital and having a buffer in there. So, you know, it is about, um, I don't know, having those, having those pre-birthing hui with whānau sometimes and just saying, you know, if, we, if we're about reclaiming traditional practices, then, you know, I'm all good with filming stuff, but it's like, um, 
yeah, just, yeah, put the cell phones down. I just changed the settings so that if you feel ready to move into the question and answer portion, um, that people are able to unmute themselves. Sure. But yeah, I, I, I have, I'm so thankful, Joanne, and, um, and, I, I guess I could start off that I'm really curious. You mentioned about just um, male midwifery and I've been asked that by a lot of people and I didn't have a, a lot of models um, for just traditionally um, male midwifery. And I'm, I'm curious if you could just clarify that a little bit. And also if you're meaning, you know, attending family births um, or also just supporting other families and that that role was held by men. So basically every whānau had their own midwife. So for my tribe, for Ngāti Apakura, it was a male role. Okay. So the, um, yeah, so, you know, the, the um, and, and, you know, my, my, um, my understanding of it is that you were trained from a child for those roles. You know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a three-year program. So it was an apprentice-type model and you, you know, you learned from your karaua and, um, and then you taught, you know. But, you know, they knew who the midwife was. Like I said, astrologers were at the births, you know, so there was a lot of mapping that went on. And we, you know, our, um, I suppose, you know, like I said, we're born from Mother Earth, but we're also born from the stars, okay? And so we've just recently had our new year Matariki, and um, so the different stars would, um, yeah, a combination of your whakapapa, so your whakapapa is your genealogy combined with, you know, what the stars were saying at that time, what the environment was saying at that time, would give all the cues for what your, you know, what your life path was going to be, whether you were going to be, you know, a, um, a kaiwhakawhānau pepe, a midwife, or tāpuhi, some people call it, or you may have been a navigator on the waka, you may have got to be the future astrologist. Um, we've got this really cool fella, Dr. Rangi Mātāmu, at the moment, that is just like exploding our space with all this ancestral knowledge about the stars, you know. And I've known all my life I came from the stars. And so when I hear Papa Rangi telling us that we come from the stars, you know, it just reaffirms all of that. And there is... Um, Right, Carol's just saying, yeah, Inuit also. But yeah, they definitely, you know, they just cared for their own whānau. It wasn't, um, well, it wasn't like Kuro Charlie went and, you know, delivered the, you know, other whānau's babies. He delivered, you know, um, my understanding, he helped his mother give birth and then he helped his wife give birth and then he helped his oldest daughter give birth. So um, I never, you know, got any sort of pūrāko that he went out and looked after other people, okay? So in terms of me, you know, as I said, I'm a recovering, you know, registered midwife, transitioning into being a traditional midwife, and that you know, that means that I will just look, look after my own whakapapa, okay? I won't... Um, but in saying that, hey, you know, like, I, I, I lived in the same house for, you know, for 50 years, and... Um, even when I stopped midwifery, people would turn up in labour and hop in my bath and just have a baby. Like, how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> I did try to be good. And now I've just, you know, I just got into that. Um, 
oh, my mother's grandfather helped to live here. Yeah, eh? and you know, and so when I was up in Toronto and hearing Gutsy talk about, you know, her grandmother, you know, delivering her mother and, you know, I, I just, I just know that it's it's true for us all that um, this knowledge was ours, you know, and we we went through um, this this time where we just forgot it. It's not lost. Nothing's ever lost. It's just waiting for us to refine it. That's all. It's just waiting for us to remember. And that's why I said when I you know when I teach in tumi tumi whenua, there are things that come out of my mouth I don't know, but the tupuna are wanting me to know, and I. Um, as you can remember, a younger version of me used to freak out at that stuff. But you know, the older we get, the more um, the more open we are. I think. And in saying that, no, it's not just an age thing because I've met some young people that are really, really just you know in that zone all the time, and they were born that way. In fact, I've caught some of those babies that are just um, yeah, they just they just come with so much knowing and. Um, and I just think of one of them, you know, and I work with him now. And I just knew that he was going to be the way he is now. I knew he was going to be, you know, um, the one doing the wero, doing the um, doing the porphyry for Oprah and Barack Obama. You know, he welcomes the world into <laughs> when the borders open again. But, you know, like I, I saw that on him when he arrived. I knew he was going to do great things. And... Um, See, I shared that with his mum. Hello, can you hear me? I can, kia ora. Hi, um, I'll introduce myself traditionally. Shai yu khat duasak, kid gushi hit, ayahana kahidi, klak wang kwan dak ayahat. So my name is Shai. Um, I'm of the people of the Upper Sandbar. Our clan house is the Killer Whale Dorsal Fin House. And I'm from the Eternal Village. Um, and so my, what that means is my people are from uh, Klukwan, Alaska, up north of where I am. <laughs> I'm currently uh, residing in Tulalip-ish area, Duwamish, Suquamish, Muckleshoot, general region. I don't know specifically the territory. I mean, I think it's sort of near still a Guamish, Tulalip uh, area. So anyway, thank you so much. Um, that means thank you. I really appreciate your sharing. Um, I don't have a question. Well, I guess I do have a question. I was hoping I could do a trade with you for Amuka. Um, I'd like to send you some medicine in, for a trade. I don't know if we can arrange that sometime. Of course we can. I was gonna say, <laughs> I live on the Facebook world. I use that as my, you know, how I get stuff out and stay connected with my kids. And I, I, I just use my name. I'm Joanne Rama. So anybody want to send me a free request, you're more than welcome. But I'm just going to grab some mocha that I made and I'll show you. Um, I have... Facebook. So if we could connect over email or something, that would be really nice. Rhonda said she could help with that if necessary. Okay, cool. Look, my email is joannerama at gmail.com. Okay, so if anybody wants to get in contact with me, I try and keep life really simple. Don't have any pseudonyms. Just I am who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, most definitely. I'd love to send you some mocha. Thank you. My baby's due October 2nd. 
Okay, I will get that. Actually, if you um, pop it in the um, pop it in the chat box now, your address, and I'll get that in the post today for you. Okay. Good night, and that also just brought me to another question um, or just I also really, really loved um, your sharing about, um, you know, your about the, the goddess of birth also being the goddess of, of weaving and, you know, that that is also something that um, weaving cedar mats here for our people um, to birth on um, is is a, a, a it makes it just brought me so much joy to see that connection because I, I do absolutely see weaving and birth work as so incredibly intertwined. And so I just wanted to thank you for that also. Yeah, look, it's hey, all of those things for us as Wahine. And again, men weave as well. But um, I know, you know during the first lockdown, I was just making heaps of mocha you know it was keeping me what we call toe you know it was just keeping me at peace with me and keeping me connected to Papa Tūnuku um and not getting caught up in all the you know huge fear that was out there and um so you know and, and that and that works with our mama too like you know when we take them out and we harvest the flax and dads you know getting their hands dirty making a kufenua um, you know, just teaching them to sing ori ori, teaching them basic karakia is, um, oh, you know, baby midi midi. So massaging our babies, um, you know, remembering those pūrāko, telling our babies those stories, teaching them, you know, the importance of teaching them whakapapa when they're babies, not waiting till they go to kura and learn a pepeha. You know, it's all infused um, when they're in utero and then afterwards. And so... Um, yeah, you know, I, like I said, I've, I've been really, really blessed. You know, I had an incredible midwifery mentor and then I had Papa Joe as well. So, you know, it all sort of balanced out. And my own nanny, you know, she initially re was really reluctant. You know, she was like, nah, just stay in the park of man's world. But then when we took that mokapuna's whenua home, the one, the picture I showed you of, she, um, oh, she just started remembering everything, eh? And started sharing it all. And um, and the, the other thing, you know, in terms of doing your research around traditional knowledge, you know, I figured it out that actually when, you know, so I, I care for, I guess I care for the whanau that are dying. So, um, you know, midi midi, I, you know, I do reiki and I do midi midi. And so as people are dying, they're going to tell you everything you want to know then, even though they held back, you know, so, so there's a real, um, there's a real gift that comes with life learnings as somebody's about to um, head on to the other side. Okay, there's a question, is there a question? Oh, cool. Um, hey, look, yeah, I will, I will send you a little thing about how to tie it, but it's really simple. Um, as you saw in the pictures, I, I, I try not to overcomplicate it, eh? Because I didn't, I wasn't a Boy Scout or a Girl Guide, but I do know how to tie my shoelaces. Okay, so as long as you can do some rabbit ears, because it's going to shrink really fast, okay, and you just need those, so the next day you can bring it round and tie it off again, okay. The other thing is not tying it too close to bubba, like, you know how we put the clamps really close, you want to leave it about a finger length and do it in the middle, okay, and then you've got a nice, um, and then it's not going to slip off, 
but also you know remembering to make sure Baba's got all that blood, got all that tutu, because if there's still blood within the petal, when you know, and then it people freak out, and because that's what Nan taught me. Kia Jacqueline. I just say, oh yeah, there's some other wahine Māori on here. Got anything to add to the kōrero, sister? Nathan Mia, Joanne. I just realised you're my whanaunga. I'm from Ngāti Apakura as well. I'm Rekawa, Tauranga Moana and Waikato. So oh, I'm from Akuhi uh, Whakapapa. So Paraone is a whanaunga. So, yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to add about... Uh, I mean, being our midwives, my grandfather, my mum's father, was the midwife for all of his children, father, two sets of twins. So they had 16 children. So, and it goes back through his whakapapa. I've been throughout the wherever I've travelled as, because I'm a Māori midwife as well. Been one for over 20 years now. So, in my travels and in my mahi and all of that in my work, I've met other whakapapa where they actually do it on, on, on the uh, on the marae in uh, Ngāti Awa is one. One of the were there, one of the grandfathers, serviced his entire whakapapa of Ngāti Awa and Ngāti uh, pu Pukeko. Yeah, Ngāti Pukeko. So, and there's a lot of other pūrāko throughout the now, throughout the country. So, what else would you like me to share? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's just so much. But, yeah, yeah. beautiful to hear your kōrero about your journey. And you're yeah. right, the fight is real. And yeah, it's good to hear you about the muka because I believe that it doesn't need to be sold either. Yeah, it, it should not be. It's, uh, it's way to it's, um In English, it's hard to explain Māori concepts and Māori words. No, the way to is more than just spirit. It's everything. It combines all elements all at once. And it's hard to put a price tag on that. Yeah. But... And it's very obvious about the appropriation of all of our knowledges, which I find an absolute struggle. And yes, and, and Joanne's right about that is when you practice and you're a professional, and when you're a Māori health professional, you have to be nice. I struggle with that quite a lot. Yeah, especially in those spaces of uh, racism. Yeah, and it's a it's an interesting space. So I hear that there's a lot of other indigenous midwives here as well and i'm just grateful for, to come and listen i picked up your link to yesterday from a couple of people they threw it through my email so here i am today because it's day off and back to work 24 hours a day tomorrow so <laughs> so i'm down in the central north island i'm in tamaranui so i service that entire central area so yeah and over covid we had 16 births on the cape so wow. over in the, yeah so that was people we resting, we didn't even see the time of day, let alone time of night. So but everyone's good. So that's enough of me, let everyone else speak. But I'll catch up with you because I got two email now. So I have two to you with you because I'm finishing off my PhD. Okay. And it's all about what you're talking about. Because I'm over people telling me whom we are. Yeah. yeah very much so. But yeah. Okay, though. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm 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 excited to learn it. I I you know with these Zoom casts and something that I've just really felt in these I believe we've had eight different indigenous birthkeeper gatherings and all I know is that 
I receive emails nearly every single day from people who want to serve their communities, from people who are and just want to be able to, who already are in other ways. You know, they were, they were born in this way. There's so many pieces that are, you know, like you spoke to are so never about school. Um, and they're, people are just really wanting some, some guidance on how to stand strong and what they know to be true and what they know to be right. And um, hearing stories of, of people who who have made it to that place of um, of being able to serve their communities in whatever way that looks like for them um, is is just really important and so I'm thankful for you to for for publishing and for being able to you know work on that PhD I know it's it's hard to be in those institutions and you know to put words to things that um, are about so much more you know than words we can can try and, and find and put on a piece of paper, um, but it's important. And there's so many people coming coming up that are are ready to step into their calling and step into this work. So I thank you for taking the time to write that and for Joanne to be you know on this and for it to be able to be shared. Um, you know whether it's for future birth keepers or you know the the community members. Um, you know, hearing hearing your words and your story, there were so many things that you shared that I was like, yes, that was me too. Um, yes, I went through that too. Yes, you know, was, you know, dealt with this persecution here or had to step back from doing what I knew I wanted to be doing just because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from, you spoke about the fish wars and, you know, I live on Nisqually territory and with Billy Frank Jr. And he was arrested over 50 times to be able, um, you know, to and not and not just him. And that began as a young teenager. Um, and that that was his his life and his legacy and others as well. And there are, is also this part that, you know, being arrestable and being able um, to step away from my community, my elders and my family and that medicine work is, is, has to stay in balance. And, and so it's a, it's a constant um, struggle to know when, when to fight and when to be quiet and let the drums go quiet for a little while, but they're never gone. Um, and, you know, there were so many similar similarities for so many of us um, that have been been doing this work or are trying to change things in our communities. So I want to thank both of you for just sharing that. Hey, um, Jackie, so, so Rhonda, you know, you messaged me and, and like somebody else had emailed me and so they were doing a webinar. And so what I didn't realize there was two different um, lots of people, but Jackie, they want to, they want to, they want to, what did they say? They want a midwife that's practicing legally. So I might I'll forward that email to you if you send me an email. <laughs> I don't know, some other Canadian group. I don't even know who they are, Rhonda, but they they sort of teed it up and then um and then they just came back at me with this email this week about it. And I was like, okay, kapoi. And then and then I got my message about this one. Which I thought that one was this one, so it must be for you, Jack. I'll flick yeah. it my way. I'll, I will email you and you flick it. Yeah, I'll what, flick it over to you. Do I? No, no, it's... um. Thank God. It's, 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 I, 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 <laughs> it's a 
about it's about what you've done in COVID. It's about just what you you know right. like yeah during COVID. That's that, that's all it's about. And I know um I was gonna you know Camille they they're, they're redoing the next so we've got this cool show at the moment. It's called My Maori Midwife, yeah. <laughs> and so now they're doing round two. And look, yeah, there's, it's not perfect, but there's no such thing as a perfect world. But what the My Māori Midwife series has actually given is, it's given a lot of our critics a little bit of insight to our awesomeness. And, um, and what I mean, and I'm not talking about the actual birthing practices, because some of them look very... <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but, 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 you know, we're all decolonizing at our own rate. Yeah. And so, but what definitely comes through in that first series is, um, is the way we manakitanga, is the way we care about each other, you know. And in saying that, Māori midwives are notorious for scrapping. Okay. But part of that is the different tribal differences. Okay. Like I said to you, this whole notion of Māori is a post-colonial modern one. Okay, I'm Apakura. And so I think if we could, um, yeah, just acknowledge that we do have some conflict within our tribal histories and work through that, we might be able to just... But, uh, but in saying that, we were all very nice to each other at the Māori Midwifery Symposium. But I did... Um... <laughs> oh, that's nice to everybody. I was interested. Okay, so part of it is, you know, we've done this literature review and 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 so the history of Namaya, which is our National Māori Midwives Organization that I was part of creating, had been written incorrectly. And so I got that during the first lockdown. I cried. Like, oh, I don't cry like that unless, you know, somebody I really love dies. But it really, really hurt me. And I figured out what that hurt was about. The hurt was about you know, those midwives that are no longer here. So Becky and Cookie and Paula Oliver. And so a lot of our midwives, our indigenous midwives that started this movement, you know, they passed on and they weren't remembered in that history or in that her story. So um, anyway, I just spoke to the person that did it. And because um, she'd actually written it correctly and it was in a college of midwives journal. So I said, how come you got it right? In 2001 and now you get it horribly wrong 19 years later and she apologized and she um is going to correct it so you know it is about um if i'd gone in there my normal you know doing a haka she might not have heard me so i'm sort of learning to communicate a little bit nicer oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't the best communicator, I must say, back in the past. Um, awesome. Okay, anybody else want to share or got anything to ask? Ask away. It's a beautiful day down here in Aotearoa. What's the weather like in Tomaranui, Jack? Oh, it's beautiful. It's blue and it's icy cold because it's got snow in the mountains. Aotearoa. Okay, we can feel it here in Tamaki. I said that this morning to my Tani. I said, oh, I think there's some snow on the mountain. Oh, yes, so, there's lots of it. It's lovely, though. Yeah. Yes, I am very, very much I'm sad to not be going and traveling to you this December, but I'm holding out hope that we can have a birthkeeper gathering again in the future. 
Yeah, well, look, we will, you know, I keep trying to get the date when I'm doing the, um, the visualising it, but it's not coming up yet, so that's okay. It's okay, it's going to, you know, we will all, that beautiful whareinui that I showed you the picture of, that's where we're going to be having our our gathering. Is that where the walker was laid in state? Yes. Ah, oh, yeah, I was up there, went to Stangi. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what is that? Rangitotuai, out on the water. Rangitotu's out on the water. So, Orake Marae Tumitumi Whenua is the Farinui. So, yeah, I'm very privileged at the moment. I've got um, Ranginui's daughter in law managing me. <laughs> so, you know, that just basically means I've got free license to do whatever I want. You know, Gaha. I love it. I love it. I've got their license in my writing. Yeah, yeah, well, hey, that's, that's the beauty yeah. of going to the next level. Okay, so. I can ask a question if there, if nobody else has one. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if they're there or. <laughs> or shy. Um, what, what is your, um, okay, how do I phrase this? <laughs> what would you say is one of the most important things that a birthing person should keep in mind when um, in labor? The birthing mama? Yeah. <laughs> that you got this. That you <laughs> do this. Breath. You Your know? breath. We call yeah. it the ha. The ha. Yeah. Hold your sacred breath. Use your breath to follow you right throughout all from the moment you have your first contraction. And then listen to your body. When you feel yourself fighting, use your ha. Use your breath to walk you through every single minute of the moment. Keep your breath nice and long, deep, slow, right through into the birth of baby. Continue your breath together. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah. That's the ha. Yeah. We call ha, it. Yeah. yeah. And we all have that. Yeah. cheese. <laughs> Exciting, you can have a baby. Mm. Yeah, I'm jealous. And you're getting a muka. <laughs> yeah. Then I tell you, my old heart. No, my No. Carol, where are you at today? Um. I'm at uh, my home that we're building a straw bale house. I've moved to our village. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's built it. He's really worked hard. Oh, he's a special man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'll show you this. You can see the straw there. It's a bit of a mess but um we're kind of camping out and we're we've almost got the first layer of clay and sand on the outside it's very traditional home straw it's straw bales timber frame and the clay that we're putting on the outside is dug right out of the ground that we've built the house on oh that's awesome yeah so a very small footprint we're excited so this is kind of the garage area and we'll live upstairs in uh, like an apartment. It'll be small. There's the garage door. 
Oh, nice. And how are all your beautiful mukapunas? So Carol's mukos are my mukos because I adopted them when I was up there and they're oh, they so gorgeous. They must be getting grown up. Yeah, they are. They ask about you, especially Wasnaday. She says, where's Grandma? Where's Nana Jo? Oh, yeah. Give my love each other, my yeah. love from Aotearoa. Yeah. So, so as I was getting prepared for today, of course, I was looking at all that photos up there and I was just yeah just thinking about the absolutely magical time that we spent and um and the magic that's manifested out of that so I suppose that's the main uh, sort of end on today is um is the power in, in our visioning you know is the power in you know knowing our truth and and seeing you know I um I descend from a two point you know, where everyone saw just um, wastelands, she saw a beautiful marae and a place for her people to come. And she created that at a time where there was no work, there was no money, but she rallied. The, and there was lots, you know, like at that time, you know, my dad lost both his mums, you know, his whangai mum, his birth mum, his twin brother, you know, so we lost a lot of tupuna to tuberculosis. And um, and his auntie, you know, she came and she took all those, all those orphans, you know, and she raised them as her own, and then they helped to build Tūranga Waiwai, which is um, a very, you know, a very special place for us in Tainui. And so I always, um, you know, whenever I'm feeling a little bit hopeless or a little bit lost, I think about, I think about my tupuna tupuya and how she never gave up hope for us as people. And she visioned everything into being. And um, so, yeah, you know, like when I was in Canada, the, the head of our midwifery school said to the head of the midwifery council when we were at a morning tea, said, oh, yes, I've managed to get that silly idea out of Joanne's head for a Māori midwifery school. And I got quite upset. And I told her, you can't take my fucking dreams away, you know, because they really hurt. And um, and I live for my dreams. That's just part of you know, it's part of my DNA. It's part of who I am. And so now, for that um, curriculum is now being developed. I don't know sort of where it's at, but um, just just knowing that that's coming into being, I think that will be a huge um, a huge roadblock out of the way. You know, part of what I'm sort of doing with you know. Than my intent of going to work for Nati Fatua, because I've worked for myself most of my life, but now I'm an employee, is to grow them their own midwives and for them to have their own primary birthing unit. So, um, as my next sort of mission, and that's that's where we're we're going here in Canada too at NACAM is that we're starting to build a virtual midwifery school community to community and basing it on community needs and what the community wants and how they want to grow their midwife and the kind of role they want them to play. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're, you know, we're working, we're working in the, the medicine towards that as well. And um, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll keep midwifery sustainable, especially in the North, because we have many, many, many isolated areas here in Canada. So, there's a lot of need and a lot of people um, with nothing. Mm -hmm. 
And there's also such a huge interest in people that are ready to step into that work for for our Indigenous Childbirth Educator Training Program. Um, you know, it was an application was up for, I believe it was a month and I received 650 applications. And, wow. you know, that was, you know, with saying, you know, that was for both virtual and some on-site here in, in um, Washington State. And even with, you know, that those, uh, a year long commitment um, being requested um, and the applications again and again and again are people saying that, you know, maybe they were the aunties who just have always been helping the families and, you know, they want more tools to be able to interact and prepare people for who are going into the hospitals or, you know, maybe they work with missing and murdered Indigenous women or maybe they work at the treatment center or the child care center for the tribe. Um, there's so many different ways that they are, you know, connected and, you know, it takes, there. there's, there's, it, there's not as many people who can step into supporting birth or, you know, stepping into midwifery, but we need all of these people invested in supporting that birth work. And so that was my thought of, of putting the time and energy towards that childbirth educator piece is that then even if they're just, you know, the, the person on the health board and they never attend a birth, they understand why it's so important and how what colonization has done and you know how we can you know restore these and support all the people who are doing this work and what they need to be able to have all of these policies and and, and things like this systems that aren't serving us uh, pushed away so that they can just rise and step into this work so i I feel like there's so many exciting things happen and we need, you know, we need people like you, Joanne, you know, people who are just, you know, remembering and, you know, who are, who are continuing to serve in whatever way works for life or whatever way just works for the time or the climate or getting training however you can and weaving it all together for our families. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that, I suppose that's part of what I've been working on too, is just, you know, creating, right right at this moment, it's just for Ngāti Whātua. You know, Ngāti Whātua need their own, um, so that's what I'll be doing is apprenticing this young woman so she can take over doing what I'm doing, but deliver it totally, you know, i roto te reo Māori. And, um, but there'll be other ones that will train as well that will go on and, and complete the conventional midwifery training until the point that we have you know our indigenous training program up and off the ground and um, ideally it's going to be satellite so it'll but awanui arangi so we have um universities parallel universities and so awanui arangi is one of those universities that's picking it up so we've already got a bachelor of maori nursing and those nurses are just oh wow they're just next level so um so yeah that that's sort of looking where that will come from um but hey it's it's just sort of navigating the um the cross currents that are that are currently there you know as the as the river meets the ocean and is the you know so so they'll always be overlapping and they'll be I, I suppose and there'll always be a need for a little bit more but i just think yeah like, like you said Rhonda, it's about weaving all that stuff together um you know, so part of it for me is this young lady has to, you know, learn how to weave wahakura, you know, because that's what we do in the wānanga and, 
And so it's about bringing, you know, our weavers and um, our carriers of traditional knowledge together and providing healing space for our whānau because, um, you know, a lot, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And so the wānanga just creates that space that whānau can come and experience that. Um, look, you know, I need constant healing because that's what happens when you go to bat away. And um, so I receive that healing in that space as well. So, you know, it's all, it's all magic. So when I leave you, I'm going to be jumping on the next Zoom with a whole lot of mama from Glen Innes, hearty little community in Tamaki, and we're going to be talking about breastfeeding, you know, and, um, but we're not just going to be talking about breastfeeding, you know, we're going to be talking about everything, whatever they want to talk about. Last week, they wanted to learn how to make cheer Sundays, you know, so, um, yeah, it's they, they you know, it's, it's co-designed with them. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So anyway, you know, like this, um, you know, the head of the school and the midwifery council, you know, and I swore at them and then I never talked to her for ages. So now, you know, the threat of a Māori midwifery program coming is there are 40 Māori women in the first year at the AUT midwifery school. So maybe we should have... Yeah, we've never ever had 40 students in first year before, which is phenomenal. In fact, some years we had no Māori students. There's, and you know, in 20 years of direct entry midwifery in New Zealand, there's only been 300 practicing Māori midwives that have come out of those programs. The system's failed us. Oh, hugely. Yeah. The, first, the first midwife to be deregistered by, um, by Midwifery Council was my whanaunga. You know, because she cared for a non-Indigenous woman whose baby was stillborn. Oh. No one else has ever been um, treated the way she was. You know, and it virtually was, you know... She said, she said. Yeah, she said. And and anyway. Anyway, it was sort of now the upside of it is she looks after our marae and she's looking after I, all... I know who you're talking about. I've had many talks with her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but... But in saying that, she still hurt, you know, and um, yep. and so our queer came to that health practitioner competency assurance. What a kangaroo court it was, what what it was. There's no right of appeal. Um, it was just absolutely horrendous, and um, and they said to us then, that's why we left midwifery. It's not safe, and so they basically told us to stop practicing after that. Um, only two students in Ōtautahi. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's, and then that's if that's midwifery. Nursing's got a, probably about five. So, this is what we have in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Yeah, we are. Yeah, so, and it's something when you're Māori, we have to do twice as hard to work, or twice as much work as anyone else. Even if you have people who come from overseas, international, who happen to be English and European and South African, who don't leave their old ways behind and their attitudes and all of that, and they think that they can work with our population. In 2025, our stats say that there will be 25% of the total New Zealand population will be Māori. So they'll be all working with us. And yet, they still treat us like we are the problem and not their ways. So... Yeah, it's, 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 it's an exciting journey, 
and it's one that our tupuna did know what is that which, which means that the struggle never ends and that comes from Morako, from our kuia, from our grandmother so yeah it's something that keeps our blood boiling and keeps us doing what we do what are what are those nice words resilience and resistance very much so with the sacred ha so yes yeah it's worth fighting for all around the world, yeah. you know, because I, I just know in my own whanau, I, I look, mate, <laughs> I to think who I would be as a human being today without the journey that I've had, okay, without the positive birth experiences that I've had. Okay, I came from an alcoholic, broken home, family violence, and, um, you know, it, in fact, it was those transforming births, okay, and all those healers that I got to work with, why I know I'm awesome. And no one will ever, ever, ever take that away from me, you know. And so, you know, so so that's um, so you know, mama to be. It's catching those two babies of my own as they emerge from my body. It's that memory that takes me to my superpower, where I can knock down a six foot gangster who might be beating up his missus. You know, like I've got superpowers, and birth gave me that. And so I want every woman in the world to have that superpower. But of course, my focus has to be on my own people. You know, I come from other whakapapas, but hey, they're fine. But you know, the, the Māori nation is a small one. Um, Jacqueline, I think we're 25% already. Unfortunately, we do, in fact, we could be nearly 30% of the population. We do not count the babies born to non-Indigenous mothers. Uh... Okay, so our statistics are huge, huge undercount. Okay, and and in fact, this year we still, you know, we had census. I think it was two years ago, but it was a real messed up census because they went online. But we still don't have the number of how many Maoris were counted in census. I think we've got to the million mark, and that's just because I sat on the maternal and newborn information committees for years, and so. You know, 10 to 15,000 Māori babies were born to Māori mothers, and we know our boys are pretty busy, okay? You know, I'll just think of one papa, and I had three mama. They were all having babies at the same time. <laughs> our fucker papa is that of polygamy. They're just called players today. But they've been, <laughs> they've been very, very good at propagation and ensuring that, you know, ngā uri or... Um, the iwi Māori continue. And um, so whilst, you know, the, the story of colonialism for most of us is them trying to assimilate us into their way of being, I think we're winning the battle in terms of, you know, there are there are more and more Māori that, non-Māori that are really open and receptive. But in saying that, right now, we've got that whole white backlash going on, eh? So we've got these cool, like, anti-racism ads and you go on the website and all the comments are racist as hell. Okay, so, but, you know, there's this perception that there's no racism in New Zealand. You know, but we've got this really cool director. Um, his name's Taika Waititi. If you haven't seen any of his movies, watch them. But, you know, he was New Zealander of the year and he came out and he said, New Zealand's racist as fuck. And so that's, you know, that's sort of what I just keep saying. And, um, you know, and I recently at that Māori Midwifery Symposium said to our CEO at the New Zealand College of Midwives, New Zealand Midwifery is racist as fuck. What are you going to do about it? 
you know, because the last leader maintained that, maintained that position that there was no racism. So therefore, there could be no change. Yeah. Okay. And um, she's gone now, and I got rid of her because I called her for what she was, racist. You know, and um, anyway, she's gone. Bye-bye. But, you know, sadly, they, you know, her and, the, and actually the head of ICM, they're best mates, and they're world famous for being the mothers of New Zealand midwifery. That's they where midwifery comes from. Yeah, and they stole, you know, so they're famous because they, they talked about the partnership between women and midwives. They stole that from the treaty. The treaty was a partnership. So they used that term, became world famous in the midwifery context um, on the backs of Indigenous women. And then, um, so yeah, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, but, but we can, um, we'll get there. Because, um, you know, united we're strong. And, and yeah, I just know that the fight is real for all of us. But we must never lose hope. Eh? Our tupuna have... Um, They've left us with what we need and um left us their legacy. They've left us their legacy, their stories that we can follow and um yeah, so um Namihi Aroha Kia Kato, um Ketahara Mai Kite Kororo i Tenei Wananga, um i Tenei Ra A Tahua, um he Tino Hariko Takungako. Tino Tino Hariko. So um yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, just greetings to you all. Thank you for coming, spending this time today. Um, you know, always enjoy sharing the story and its gory. I don't hold nothing back. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that's what it's about, eh? So, um, yeah, thank you, Rhonda, for hooking me up. And, um, yeah, just will be visioning every day from my heart, from my spirit, that we, that I get to host you here on our land and that we get together, you know, that we get to be together in, in the physical and spiritual sense again one day. So, um, yeah. Thank you, everybody.